Good evening, Professor. How are we? Hey, boss. Can I steal the computer? Yeah. All right. Look at me not go. <laughs> but we'll try that a little bit. Oh, let's see here. So what do we got tonight? I'm looking at the hat. There's nothing on the hat. There is nothing on the hat. Oh, my goodness. Why is there nothing it on the hat? Is, you know, just um, because the Ravens lost. <laughs> so we're on the last. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at that. I'm just. <laughs> it's like death. <laughs> this is it. Okay. It's, it's just death. Okay. It's now, just blah. Now I get it. Okay. Well, and it's, you know, it's January. It's kind of blah anyhow. Now, oh, next February could be some brightness going on. Again, okay. But just one of those things. When I got this one, I thought the sun came up just a little bit earlier. I may be wrong. I may just be wishing it. I, I <laughs> well, we are getting there a little bit more today, so that's nice. Okay. Well, I thought we'll just do plain today. All right. So what we got, we have my bosses treating a close co-worker mine unfairly behind their back. Should I say something to my boss and that's a tough one. Well, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about compassion. Um, for the masters coming up, the later session, six was it seven thirty? Seven thirty. Seven thirty Eastern Eastern time. Um, I'm going to look at it from the standpoint that you have to attack this thing if you want to call it from two positions. Uh, my scenario is going to be that you're having a meeting with your boss. Uh, the boss just finished with your coworker, worker having their weekly one-on-one. -on -one. And so now the boss has got you in there. But instead of talking about your work, the boss is focusing on the prior coworker, And the boss is telling you everything bad about the coworker, and you're just like, man, I can't believe this. And then the next thing you know, you hear the boss said, I'm just trying to be as mean as I can to him. I've been doing this, this, and this. And you're like, you have got to be kidding me. And the boss says, I hope they finally quit. That's what I'm trying to get them to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, what, what do you do? I mean, the... The boss had enough uh, faith in you that you're not going to, you know, run and tell the world and destroy the world uh, with them. Uh, was that called run them over <laughs> with yeah, the tractor but a couple of times? She's talking about their. Well, is the coworker a friend of theirs too? There's the problem, and the coworker is in my particular situation, or at least a, a known colleague, because they're working on your team. So you could say you're the team lead, is how I put it. And and what do you do? But it's a two-faced front. Number one, you need to go talk to that particular coworker, that, that team member. You don't have to say, hey, I talked to the boss and this is what was said, but you kind of want to get at, is everything going okay? You know, are you doing fine? Now, I want to thank you for your work on the team. So, you know, if you need any help, let me know. And they might open up to you. And if they do, then it's kind of a wild moment as far as, you know, you're like, well, those things do happen. Well, let's, let's try to work through this together. That's what you tell the coworker. Then you want to go back and talk with the boss. You want to find, you know, a time when the boss has kind of cooled down in their office or wherever quiet place and say, hey, look, you know, that that's hurting the team. And it's my team. You know, you assign me to that. I'm going to work with the coworker. We're going to try to improve this. So give us a chance, okay, before we just, you know, kick him to the side, fire him, whatever. And so you're, you're showing some compassion. If you think about it, though, you're showing compassion from two fronts. One, you say, well, definitely for the employee. But you really are for the boss also, because if you don't step in there just a little bit, even with the boss, they could get in trouble down the road when they're actually telling you, quote, I'm doing this, trying to kick this employee out. Uh, not a good intent to have. I, I've got a feeling the bosses above that boss would not be happy to hear that they're sharing with an underling what they're doing. Yeah. So for tonight's presentation, though, 
I'm sorry, you had a question? No, I just said that's tough. It is tough. Yeah. It's a bad situation. And some people wouldn't do anything. That's their call. I'm not saying that they have to. But as Christians, we are called to have compassion. So whether it's just for the other employee uh, or, you know, and nothing with the boss or both ways. But my suggestion is go about it both ways. Uh, try to resolve the situation. But you also realize you're, you're putting yourself in the middle and that you're going to carry some weight there. You're telling the boss that you're going to work with this person. So you, you, you might be the one talked about too down the road if y'all don't get it worked out. But it is a good Christian way to well, for our Bible story tonight, we're going to talk about compassion, and we're going to reference uh, a lady who was known as Dorcas in the literature, biblical literature, in the book of Acts. Also, she's known as Tabitha. Uh, Dorcas was her, I'm getting this right, her Greek name, and Tabitha was her Jewish name. Uh, she lived in a place called Joppa. And Joppa, they traditionally spoke Greek there. So I'm going to call her Tabitha tonight. And I apologize. It's just a, an easier term for me to think about Tabitha. I'm not familiar too much with the word Dorcas mm -hmm. uh, as I walk through the story tonight. Um, this young lady, well, I guess she's an elderly lady, pardon me, whatever her age be. Uh, she was possibly someone who was quite prominent in the community. But Tabitha had a lot of compassion. She sewed clothes. And she gave them to the poor. Now, we don't know if she was rich or if she was poor, but we do know she was a widow. And some of the literature's hints that she may have been quite well off as a widow, which is quite strange because normally think, you know, in that period of time that women should be that are widows, they should be poor. Um, and the response is that's not necessarily true because they were under the, the Roman rule at that time. And the Roman rule had it that if a father died, parents died, the woman, uh, who is a daughter, she shares with the other siblings equally whatever was left. Nice. She was the only one, and she got a dog. Also then, she, of course, received, or her husband did a dowry for her when she uh, married. And if her husband subsequently dies, and hopefully he, in this case, had invested the money correctly, she gets that dowry too. And by the way, what she received from her parents' death that she divided amongst her siblings, her husband doesn't get that. So if you think about it, this is one of these situations that if she got her dowry that her husband did, and she got the property that she was getting from her parents, particularly if she had no siblings, she really does better off if her husband's dead, if you think about it from a financial perspective. But if she were, whether she is or not, and, and the only reason I'm suggesting that she may have been is because Somebody had to buy money for the materials. And let's just presume for our discussion, she was well off, but she was willing to buy the clothes, or I should say, excuse me, buy the linen, buy the uh, thread, and actually make the clothes for the children instead of buying the clothes. But she wanted to have her special touch in there. And to me, that's pretty touching. She wanted her hand in there. Well, I may mention that she was possibly a prominent person in the community. And why would I say that? Well, Tabitha died. You're like, well, that faces everyone, but where are we here? Well, Peter, our apostle, one of the 12. Hmm. He was in a neighboring city called Joppa. I'm sorry, uh, Lydia, Lydia, and about 12, 10, 12 miles away. So when this lady died, the congregation there in Joppa was very upset. The women were mourning and so on. 
And the community sent two men over to get Peter. Now, I'm not saying Peter wouldn't have come, but the community, number one, sent two people over, two men over to get him, one. And number two, he actually came. Now, there's a third point to this I might bring up. It does show at that period of time that these disciples, members of the church in Joppa, where Tabitha passed, that community she lived in, they definitely knew what the divineness, so to speak, that the Holy Spirit was among with the apostles. They wanted to raise him. They wanted him to raise her from the dead. Now, I will say one other thing about Tabitha. As far as being a lady, a woman, she's the only woman that I'm aware of that's listed in the Bible as being a disciple. Now, I'm sure there were other disciples, but she's the only one that's specifically listed as being a disciple, as being a female. So that also adds to this implied, she must have had some problems there. God's eyes, as well as the community's eyes, so they knew of her. So they went and got Peter, and they said, you got to come. Come quickly, please. And you're like, well, why would they want him to come so quick? I mean, he could have waited a week or so, couldn't he? Well, the answer is not necessarily. Jerusalem wasn't far away from there, and their um, rules in Jerusalem is that you bury a person the same day. Now, I'm not saying that they were doing that here in this community, but back then they did try to get them in the ground pretty quickly. They didn't hold them around like we do today. They didn't have all those vomit fluids and so on. Mm -hmm. So they wanted Peter to get there before somebody stuck her in the ground. That's, that's just as plain as I can make it. Let's get him over here before she's buried. Well, Peter came, and the women, the first thing when he went upstairs to where she was laying, which they're crying and so on, but they laid out all the things that she had made, you know, that haven't been sewed yet. She had robes, clothes, and everything for the, the poor, and it was a sight to be seen. And of course, we know, uh, from my mother at least, so I presume it's still out there today, I, I don't know, but women love to show what someone else made that was a part of their family or community, whatever. I know in my mother, they had quilting clubs, you know, for the congregation back then mm -hmm. uh, when I was little. And, you know, she would go every week and they'd be working on that quilt, you know. It took a lot of pride in that. Mm -hmm. Well, Peter came. And by the way, Peter had seen Christ raise another from the dead, according to the scripture. And Peter followed what Jesus had done. He asked everyone to leave the room. Peter then, according to the scriptures, he prayed, and then he told her, Tabitha, arise. And she rose from the dead, and he took her hand, you know, and helped her up. And so you can imagine then when the congregation, the ladies and so on, came back into the room, he had them to come back, that, oh, they're so excited. They had a celebration, and, you know, Wow. Now, I don't know how long she lived. I kept digging the literature trying to figure out how long did she live after that. Mm -hmm. uh, the most I came up with, possibly 20 years, but don't hold me to that. Mm -hmm. But she had a few more years left yeah. in her after that, which was pretty cool. Um, there was a miracle. But for her compassion for other people, it caused people who she was associated with to have compassion to go grab that man over there about 20 miles away to come and take care of her, to bring her back to life. We can walk away from this, in my mind, the story to be told, and I don't think I went over tonight, is compassion does get you somewhere. It really does. Maybe it's not right now. Maybe you're harmed in the process, 
Maybe, you know, the coworker you're helping, you might lose a job before that too. But you're going to feel better about yourself. And I've got a feeling that God's going to open a door for you down the way. Because instead of being bitter, you're going to have even more compassion the next time because you'll have strength from doing this. Mm-hmm. Now, before, go ahead. No, that's a great, great thought. Before I leave you, though, I have one other thought I just want to share with you. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dorcas pins, straight pins, steel pins. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of them. And Mama had a lot of pins, you know. When they would make quilts and so on, she would have to go get her pins before she went over to church, you know, the congregation. And anyway, there was a company called, uh, oh, I can't remember, LC, but don't hold me to that. But they made what was called Dorcas Steel Pins. Oh, does that name Dorcas sound familiar? <laughs> Why would they be sewing pins? Wow. Talk about a marketing trick. Yeah. That's really a trick, if you ask me. So I had to look up the company. I had to do a little statistical work on that. So I just wanted to share some things with you okay. that I thought, I have to read them here, I apologize, because I didn't try to place them in memory, but I thought it was just... Yeah, he's a researcher. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see here. What were they called? Well, we're just going to, Well, it was the Dorcas Company. My apologies. It started off as the Dorcas Company. And they made the steel pens, of course, that the ladies held the material together, and then they would sew it. Uh, they started in the 1800s. Um, in 1880, let's see, D.F. Tyler and Company in Birmingham, England, was the original company. In the 1880, they finally require, acquired a machine. So they started in the 1800s, but in the late 1800s, they got a machine. It made 200,000 pens per day. Wow. Can you believe that? Now, they were really hot, if you want to call it for sale, of course, in the whole world. But uh, they say United Kingdom uh, and also Australia was one of their two biggest markets. Now, that was in 1980. And then 20 years later, in 1900, they had 60 of those machines. And I would say, guess how many pins they made, but I won't do that to you. I'm just going to tell you, 12 million, 12 million pins per day. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that something? Yeah. Ladies love those pens. And I guess you just couldn't, you know, the congregations couldn't forget about it because it was Dorset. Yeah. Dorcas, it was Tabitha. That is awesome. <laughs> and they came in a little tin. And the tin had a little bit of a concave top on it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd never seen one. Of course, I went online and looked at it. It was really cute. It's just kind of concave, right, you know, not even an eighth of an inch inward and so on. But one last thing I got to tell you, they're still made. Oh, I was wondering. Yeah, but now they're made in a pound. <laughs> it's twenty-five. What was it? $25.99 per box. However, sad to say, they're currently out of stock. Oh, <laughs> they're still hot. But they're still hot. Wow. So I don't know what's going on with machinery, or maybe they're saying they're currently out of stock, but the, they're still on the website. You can go find them yeah. in the company. Very interesting. But, uh, yeah, talk about being proud of that, you know, sewing and crocheting and all that. I never really got into it. There's some ladies at work that did it, and they loved it. And it's beautiful. In fact, I just was looking online, um, you know, one of my people that does exercise class just made a really pretty sweater for a dog. Yeah. Really cute. Cute top. 
So well, I well, I crocheted a pot holder once and got excited about that. And it... <laughs> oh, did you have the little crochet things? Yeah. Oh, we all did that as kids, I think. Yeah, you know. You have to go yeah. around on the lines. Right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, nothing like these folks do. I'm just no. like crafty, but. Well, I must admit, uh, when I first went uh, to college for my first degree, um, and I had been preaching uh, among the congregations, it was, again, a rural area. They just needed somebody to come and preach to them on Sundays. And so I and others would rotate around to different congregations. Anyway, one congregation uh, is Wolf Creek Church of Christ. I had to be, you know, just want to say who it was. They actually, the ladies made a quilt. Oh. They had my blue truck, and they had the road coming up to the congregation church building. Had the church building on, and it's really nice. I've kept it. Oh, uh, that is years. so nice. It was it was touching. Uh, it's quite yeah, touching. Yeah. yeah I have to give you a look on that one one day. Yeah. Yeah. Picture of it. But it is special. Yeah. So, folks, compassion. That's what we're talking about. And that's what we're really. The Lord's looking for. Yeah, we and need to have it. You know, this crazy world can get so. Serving others, that's what a disciple does. Yeah. It's I tough not to put me first. Was... Amen. Yeah. Well, boss, that's all I've got. I am at 617. Oh, my gosh. This is a record. I know. It's it's it's, it's hard. <laughs> well, we really appreciate your story. Thank you that for having awesome. me. awesome. Very interesting. Go see if you can find some Dorcas pants yeah, just for to fun. Check this out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, have a great week and thanks for joining Take us. Take care, folks. Thank you for joining us. Bye bye. bye, -bye.